0: Thinking about this short two-week series on marriage, <clears throat> excuse me, and thinking about these, uh, really what to focus on in these two sermons on marriage, I, I decided to think of it as my one opportunity to have this conversation with you. My one shot to emphasize what I believe is most important for any one of us to be able to build a a strong and healthy relationship with each other as as husbands and wives and I'm not simply talking about what I think because I know it would be pretty presumptuous of me to you know base what I think is most important simply on what I what I think myself even from my own experience in life or from my experience of being a pastor or Our Becky and I being able to have 42 years of marriage together and and I don't discount that. There's a lot of value in that. But I, I realize that when it comes right down to having a conversation like we're going to have this morning, I've, I've got to depend more on just on what I think, but I've, I've got to base what I say on the truth of God's Word, on God's wisdom itself. And I would say that if there's anything I've learned in my life up to this point, it's that the choice to trust God's wisdom... It's really the, absolutely the best choice that any person can make for their life, and this includes God's wisdom on marriage. And so what I said last Sunday and what I'm going to be talking about this morning is really based on these 13 verses that uh, Rob just read for us from the fifth chapter of Ephesians. If you're here today and... The verses that were read are the first time you've ever heard those verses read, or if you were with us last Sunday and you heard what I said last Sunday, and you're going to hear what I said say today, and maybe you walked out of you walked out of here last Sunday, and you you know you're processing all of it, and you're thinking to yourself, you know I I I like some of what he said, I agree with with some of it, but I'm I'm not so sure about all of it. And that might be where you're at today. your process. There's a lot for you to process, and. And so I want to just thank you for coming back and giving me that, the opportunity to, to talk a little bit more with you about this subject. And I want you to know that I value the time that you're giving me. I realize that time's precious. And, and so I want to do my very best in being able to, uh, to unpack all of this for you in a way that you'll find helpful for your own personal life. And I just got to tell you, everybody, when I, when I look at these two sermons... I, there are a lot of subjects that are important, but this one just digs deep inside of me. And I've actually done something the last two Saturdays that I, it's been a really long time since I've done this, and that is to come back to the building again Saturday night because as I was going through the sermon, even after hours of work on it, I was like, no, I want to even say this better. And so I did some work on this sermon at home on my computer and I drove over here and, and, and printed it out last night after... Yeah, you know, after 8 o'clock, and, and I'm glad I did, because this is it's just really worth it. You might be here today, and the verses that Rob read, you've read many times, and you may have heard a lot of sermons out of this section of Scripture. And so what I'm hoping for you this morning that is that you might be able to walk out of here with one or two things that you can apply to your own marriage that might make your marriage even stronger. Or that you might be able to share with somebody who's struggling in their marriage or somebody who's contemplating marriage. Give them some bits of wisdom from God's Word that can help them in, in their own lives. And one thing I want to add today that I, I didn't think of last Sunday and had a conversation with somebody after, after uh, second service and really good thought for me. And that is, you know, I just want to make sure that everybody really feels included in what I'm talking about this morning. And it might be that you've gone through a divorce and you're contemplating a second marriage or you you, you are already in your second marriage right now. And I just want you to know that everything I said last Sunday and everything that I'm gonna say this morning, you're part of it. It you know, I want you to know you're very much included in what I'm talking about. And if you're here today and you're you're single, I think you're gonna find like you've probably found last Sunday that what I what I'm gonna share with you applies to your own life today and you can find it valuable for yourself. What I'm doing in the in these two sermons is is to give all of us a big picture view of marriage. And I'm not I'm not gonna I, I didn't last Sunday and I'm not gonna again today I'm not gonna dig into details, specifics of of what to do and what not to do but what I want to give us are really foundational principles on which to build your relationship as a husband and wife so that you can have the best possible marriage. And so in a sense, as I'm giving you this this big picture view, I'm giving you what I really believe is the best of God's wisdom on marriage. And so last Sunday, we looked at the first two sides of this big picture. And if you were gone last week, uh, this is one of those times I would say it would really be worth your while to go online and and to our website and you would be able to watch at brookside.net. You would be able to watch the sermon that that I did last Sunday. And I say that because this is a five-sided picture that we're looking at th- these two weeks. And you really just got to you've really, you've got to understand all five sides for it to really be helpful for you. So last Sunday, we looked at the first two sides. Today, we're going to, We're going to look at the next three. Five total. And all five have this one thing in common. They all come down to trusting God's wisdom on marriage. Trusting God's wisdom on marriage. And really here, what what I'm saying is that you're, you're not trusting, you're not relying totally on your own wisdom. That's not where you go first. or You don't even go first to the wisdom of someone who's a close friend that you have a lot of confidence in. And then you especially don't go first to the wisdom of the world in which we live and what our world says about marriage. But first and foremost, you trust in the wisdom of God. Now, if you've been in church for years, if all of this has been a part of your life, you might be thinking to yourself, well, yeah, Steve. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty logical that somebody should trust in the wisdom of God. And, and if that thought goes through your mind, I've I, I just got to say this from my own experience in, in 39 years of ministry and working with people who are followers of Jesus Christ, one of the things that I've seen happen too often, and it, and, and it's why I'm saying this today, why I'm emphasizing this, is that when I have seen too often that when when Christians have struggles in their marriage, very often what's so easy for somebody to do is to trust their own instinct rather than trust the wisdom of God. To go to what they're feeling inside, what they want to do, or what other people tell them to do rather than doing maybe what's the hard thing to do and that is trusting in the wisdom of God. So I, I just want to say, you know, I, I this is one not just to pass by and, and you say, well, yeah, you know, I know that's true. But really, you got to ask yourself, what would I really do if I got in that kind of a situation where, where the marriage got rough, things got tough? Would I, would I trust my own instinct or would I trust the wisdom of God? Would I base what I do on, on the truth of God's word? Okay? So, last Sunday, we looked at the first two sides of marriage. And I want to just do a quick review because... I wanna make sure that nobody misses this as we put all of these together. So first of all, what what marriage is, what it is, and at, at its very core, marriage is a covenant. Marriage is not meant to be based on the level of chemistry between two people. How you're feeling at the moment. How, how, you know, how well you think it's going. And if it's not going good enough, then you move on to another relationship. That is not God's wisdom on marriage. It's, marriage is not simply a declaration of love in the moment, current love. As important as that is, marriage is a binding commitment future love. It's a promise to be loving and faithful and caring and serving regardless of the ups and downs of emotions and circumstances. Marriage is meant to be a long-term commitment through thick and thin, through the good times and through the hard times. And the scripture that spoke to this is verse 31 and Paul is actually quoting from God speaking to Adam and Eve way back in the second chapter of Genesis when it all began, really the first statement about marriage where God said, for this reason, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh, one flesh. Everything in this it points to the truth that marriage is a covenant. It points to the closeness and the, and the permanence of the marriage relationship. And so last Sunday, if you were here, you, you saw me draw a line on a, a pad of paper, a line moving up with bumps along the way, and I emphasized the, the permanence, the stick to itness that we're all to have in our marriage, where, where you're, you're not ignoring but you're working through whatever it is that is challenging in, in your relationship, what it is, whatever it is that's, that's created that bump so the line starts moving down. And I said if you work through that, if you both deal with it in the way you should, then the line will begin moving up and the quality of your love, the quality of your relationship will become even that much better than it was before. So the line can keep moving up. Now... I am um, one of my favorite stories uh, that I've told many, many times in personal conversations. And I, I know that I've told it here at least once. And that is about the parents uh, of one of the guys in our church. And I, I just love this story, it sends shivers up the, the backs of parents when I tell it, and it's that his, his mom and dad met at a dance in South Dakota on a Saturday night and they got married that night. They had never met each other, they'd never had a conversation before that point and they got married that very night. Can you imagine the phone call the next morning to mom and dad and their response? But let me tell you this, you ask yourself the question, well I wonder how long they were married. 53 years until his dad died. 53 years. And you know what? They didn't have any premarital counseling because they didn't have that back then. And I asked, I asked him this morning, I actually sent him a text. I said, do you think, do you think your mom and dad read any books on marriage? He said, I don't think so. You know, and, But you know why I'm telling you this, everybody, is what, what his parents had going for them that we don't have in our world today, is that they had a society that believed very strongly in the permanence of marriage. They had all the support of everybody around them. They had all the peer pressure that when they went through hard times in their relationship, they had a lot of people saying to them, you know, boy, you stick with it, you work through it. And that's one thing that we don't have. In our in our country right now, we don't we don't have that to back us up, and so it emphasizes to us all the more the importance of the soundness of our of our own relationship with God, that we're basing our our marriages on the wisdom of God, the truth of God, the truth of God's word, that we're really building God's word into our lives, that so that we have the the building into us. the the strength that we need to persevere through those hard times in our marriages when we reach those bumps to give us what we need to keep moving up in the right direction. So first of all, what marriage is, it's a covenant. Second, what it does. And now we're talking about what marriage can do for the people involved. If you remember last week I said it helps two people become their absolute best. You and I, as husbands and wives, We can help each other become everything that God created us to be. And here's here's where we see where Paul wrote about this in this chapter on marriage. And it's what he he said to husbands in loving their wives. So this statement, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word that is... uh, the, the impact of Scripture on somebody's life, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Uh, I said it last week. While Paul is speaking to husbands here, really, I'm convinced that what he's saying to husbands to do for their wives, us guys need and want the same thing for ourselves. It's Jesus Christ loving us, giving himself for us, cleansing us through the truth of Scripture, all to make us holy, everything that God created us to be, our absolute best. Now, here's the wonderful thing about marriage. Here's where where it holds such incredible potential for each person. Your spouse comes into your life not to be your Savior, but to partner with your Savior, helping you to become everything that he's making, that he created you to be, that he redeemed you to be, that he's making you to be. Don't miss this, everybody. This is what we can do for each other as husbands and wives. You know, one of the things that that can be so challenging for us in life it's to just get caught up in all the details. And what's, what's so important is that we have this, this big picture of what life is all about. And, and, and to do that same thing in our relationship as husbands and wives is we're in it together to help each other to become the absolute best we can possibly be to become like Jesus Christ. Now last Sunday, I, I talked about speaking the truth in love and and welcoming the truth in love. And I just want to add one thought to this. I, I thought about this when I when I left here Sunday morning. I thought, oh, just wish I would have said this. Not only should you say the hard things in love, the things that can be difficult to hear because they, they make us f- face face the, the stuff in our life that we need to face, this needs to be balanced with a whole lot of. Here's why I'm so kind. Here's why I'm so glad I married you, kind of stuff. Here's why I respect you, kind of stuff. Got to balance that out so it's not just that we're we're helping each other see the weaknesses in our lives, but we're also helping each other see the strengths in our life. And I just wanted, you you know, Becky has done both for me. She's spoken truth into my life as I've needed to hear it, things I needed to deal with, but she's also done more than any other person in my life to build confidence in myself. And, and I'm so thankful for this. Now, you know, one of the things about this is I think every single one of us have a certain vulnerabilities about ourselves. You know, there's, there's those parts of us that we struggle with. And one of the things that can happen in a marriage is that a, that a spouse has a choice either to pick on those things and, and to use them as a, as a tool against the person they're married to, or to, as they recognize those things, to do the very opposite, to, to build that person up, to build their confidence in those areas in their life so that they have what they need to be able to become a better person. I hope you, I think you, I hope you understand what I'm saying by that because it's just so important. I heard a, heard a great story this morning. You know, we have Valentine's this week on Friday and giving Valentine's cards. And uh, one of the guys was at a, at a party this last week. And uh, he was talking to the uh, wife and, and she said, you know what I've done for the last five years? I've given my husband the same card for five years. She said, I noticed as she said, after the first year, I gave him, I gave him this card, I wrote on it, and, and then I saw that he just had it laying, like on his desk or somewhere, I don't know where it was, and so she said, you know what, I'm just going to use it again. So she's very organized, so she put it in a file, same card, exactly the same thing she had written on, and she gave it to her husband the next year, and he said, oh, thank you, yes, and she did that five years in a row, and he hasn't picked up on it yet that it's the same card you know a wife could do that i would say husbands don't try that one okay no here's the here's the point of this story when when i heard this i thought there this has got to be usable for this sermon all right i've got and I, and i didn't find it well enough first service but i found it this service it's this point you know what there are things that we need to hear repeated. There are things that we need to hear more than once. You know, it's just, there are, some, there are some parts of our life that we need the person who's married to us to say those things to us again and again and again to keep building that sense of worth and confidence in ourselves, all right? So, third thing. Third side of the big picture of marriage what it needs. And I'm just going to tell you, then I'll show you where the Bible says this. So here's, here's what I'm convinced every marriage needs. It needs a healthy sense of God's love. For any one of us to do in in marriage what this fifth chapter of Ephesians tells us to do, beginning with verse 21 where, where we're told submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For any one of us to do anything that we're told in those 13 verses, including verse 21, you need to have a deep understanding of God's love for you. You need to have a deep understanding of God's love for you. Now, uh, here's where it's so helpful to know the context in which uh, a statement in Scripture is found. One verse is found, the context. You see, verse 21, verse 21, is actually the last clause in a long sentence that stretches all the way back to verse 18, where in the second half of that verse, Paul begins with a command, and then he unpacks how that command is to be lived out. So let's look at this. I'm going to read you the verse as it's written in in the Greek. It may not be, you may, your Bibles may have several sentences here, but it's actually one sentence from the second half of verse 18 all the way through verse 21. So here's what he writes. So first of all, the command. He said, instead, and what he means by instead is he's going back and he said, instead of getting drunk on wine, he said, instead of that, be filled with the Spirit, colon. And then he unpacks what that means. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, uh, giving thanks always to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul writes about being filled with the Holy Spirit, about praising God for who God is, thanking God for everything that God has done, and then he begins talking about marriage all in the same sentence. So why isn't there a transition? Why doesn't Paul say... uh, We've been talking, I've been talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been talking about worshiping God. And now I'm going to begin talking about marriage. Why isn't there any kind of a transition? Well, because they're totally connected. If you're filled with the Spirit... And if your heart is filled with gratitude to God, then you're someone who knows God's love to the very core of who you are. And it's then that you're able to do what you're called to do in marriage. You have an abundance of God's love in you from which to draw to love the person that you're married to. Now, here's why this is so important. And this might surprise you, everybody. This might surprise you. There are those times in marriage when the person you're married to makes it more than a, more than a little challenging to love them. Has anybody ever noticed that? Maybe, maybe like is a better word. You know, you love them, but you don't know if you like them right now. Anybody else ever feel that way? Times when they're not being the spouse they should be. Times when they're showing their bad time. Times when they're not doing what's right and instead they're doing what's, what's wrong. I would even say times when they're sick. Have you noticed how bad somebody can look when they're really, really sick? You know, like I, 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 I still remember this. Uh, Beck was dating this guy by the name of Phil before, before we met and, and I got in, in there and broke that up and... and, uh, and <laughs> So, so then, Beck and I, you know, we, got, we met in January, got married in December, and, and back, back years ago, I used to get these monstrous migraines, and they would affect me so much that I could go, I could go, I think my record was three days, and I mean, I would throw up from them, I was just, it was just bad, it was just, and they would leave me just looking like death warmed over. Well, I had one of those. It was like a two-day one, and this guy, Phil, decides to come over and visit us, all right? Right when I'm coming out of this, this kind of a thing, he stops in unannounced to visit us, and I thought to myself, after he left, he must have said, boy, serves her right, you know? She, look at what she got, that kind of a deal. But isn't, I mean, it's, there's all kinds of times in our life when we're at our, we're not at our best, we're at our worst. There, there's times when when we have disagreement and conflict and misunderstanding, times when you're giving and you're not getting back, you know, times when the person that you're married to is discouraged or distracted or overwhelmed by life. Listen, everybody. In those times, there's no way you can love your husband or wife the the way you're called to love unless you know God's love to the the very core of who you are and you're drawing strength from from, from God's love to love somebody who isn't all that lovely or all that lovable or all that loving at that point in your marriage. See, here's the deal. If your spouse is the main source of love and happiness in your life, and when they're not giving you the love that you think you should have and really you should have, then you're going to melt down. And here's why. You can only keep loving as long as you're getting love back. So as long as you're, you're giving love to your spouse and your, love is giving, your spouse is giving love back to you, then you're fine. But if you're giving love and your spouse isn't giving it back, you've, you've got nothing to go on. And so you give nothing back. You, you withdraw, you retaliate. Worst case scenario, you start looking for another, you start looking to another person for that love. But if you're drawing from God's love. Then in the hard times, you trust God and, and you'll love your spouse well. You'll, you'll be able to love even when you're not getting much, if any, love back. And So the question to ask and the question to answer is how does your understanding of God's love grow? How, how do you know God's love to the very core of who you are? How do you draw from God's love? Listen, everybody, I got to tell you the number one key to making this happening is consistent daily time in God's Word, not hit and miss, but daily depending on God to speak His love into you, to strengthen you, and to fill you with a strong sense of His love and His care for you. So important. Well, right now you might be thinking, well, listen, Steve, I know God loves me. My goodness, I know that. And all I can say is that I've had a lot of people say this to me, a lot of of believers in Christ, a lot of Christ followers. But I often wonder how true this is in their life because when I ask them, and if they're honest with me, they admit that they're not into God's Word on a daily basis. It's a hit and miss kind of a deal with them. They're they're not communicating with God. They're not getting strength from God. There's not a closeness in their relationship with God. And I've got to be straight with you, everybody. If this is how it is for you, there is no way that you'll have the confidence and the, and the strength to, to trust God, to trust God's wisdom for your own marriage. You simply will have little to nothing to draw on, to do what's right, when everything in you is feeling so wrong. You know, if there, really, if there's any one thing that I would want all of us to walk out of this place this morning, Is that we would have in our minds and in our hearts a commitment to make time with God, unrushed time with God, a daily part of our lives. I just can't say that strong enough. So, marriage, what it is, is a covenant. And what it does, it helps two people become their absolute best. And and what it needs is God's love. And then I just love this next discovery in this passage. Marriage, who it honors, and who it honors, the potential is that it can honor Jesus Christ. And here's big picture, everybody. Read these verses in Ephesians, and you see that Jesus is referenced all the way through, but there's one verse that speaks clearly to this fourth side of marriage that it serves the highest purpose possible, and that is to honor Jesus Christ. It's the verse that Paul began this whole passage with when he said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This verse, here's what it shows us. It shows us that this relationship that's ours as husbands and wives is so much greater than what it does for ourselves. It's so much greater than that. It's all of what it's possible for what you can do together as a husband and wife to bring honor to the eternal Son of God, to Jesus Christ himself. There's nothing better than that. Back when Becky and I first got married, and when we were in seminary and beginning our first church, our heroes back then were a couple in ministry by the name of Stuart and Jill Briscoe. And Stuart was the lead pastor of a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they were, you know, they were like, I don't know, the Andy Stanleys of today, or whoever you might think of. And we have never forgotten what they what they said when they. Really, what was the deciding factor in their willingness to get married? I guess they got married a little bit later, you know, especially for the times back then when you know, Beck and I got married. And uh, their, their whole thing was, and they, they had made this decision independent of each other, they decided that they would never get married unless they could serve God better as a married person than they could serve God. As a single person, and that's what we're talking about here. Knowing that I was doing these uh, two sermons on marriage, uh, Becky brought down to me last week I was working in my office at home on this, and she brought down to me a book that she had written she uh, read that, um, <laughs> uh, to use with her small groups, it was written by Craig and Amy Groschelle. Uh, Craig's the lead pastor of what's really the largest church in our country right now. And I I didn't have time to read any more than the first chapter of the book. So I can't tell you about the whole book. Becky thinks it's great. She's read it, so I'd recommend it. Uh, But I'm glad I was able to read the first chapter because of how effectively they apply this truth that marriage is all about honoring Jesus Christ. And so I just want to talk this through with you, how, how they unpack this. First of all, speaking to the single person, to someone who's single, they write about this quest we can be on to find that one person who will meet our needs, that one person who will complete us, give us joy, make life perfect for us. Or they say, if we're married, and the person we're married to isn't doing for us what, what we thought they should do, we, ch- we try to change them into that into that one person they think we think they should be. And they point, and the point they make is that the right way to see our relationship as husbands and wives is to see. And I love how they put this. It's this, okay? You want to write this down. God is your one, God is your one, and your spouse is your two. And they they remind us of the of remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command that any person could, could follow and obey. And Jesus said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the whole point is, you're to love God first. God's to be number one in your life. And your spouse is to be your number, number two in your life. Okay? So, then speaking to the person who's single... They said, above all else, you should honor God in your life as a single person. You should love him. You should obey him. You should seek to serve him. And and they said, let this be your number one focus in your life. And then they said, live with this perspective. And I love how they said this, okay? They said, if you're single, I will seek the one while I prepare for my two, okay? Okay? I'll seek the one while I prepare for my two. And then they made this statement. And it's a long quote. I decided I just want to read it, okay, to you. You can hear it. And what we're going to do is we're going to put it on our notes page, on our messages. So you'll be able to go to where we have our messages. And these two quotes I'm going to share with you in these next few minutes, you can pull them down and you can read them. So here's what they write to the single person. He said, here's a very simple principle you can take to the bank. It doesn't matter what you want, like attracts like. Okay? If you hope to have a godly marriage one day, you need to live a godly life today. Be the kind of person you would like to marry. If you want a spouse who's sold out to Christ, then you need to devote yourself to Christ. If you want someone who seeks God seeks God daily in every area of their life, then you need to pursue God daily. I think it's a great statement. And then they spoke to those of us who are married. And they said, if you're married, the same thing is true. First of all, honoring God, loving God, obeying God, serving God, and then living with this perspective in your marriage, I, where you say, I will always seek the one with my two. I will always seek the one with the person I'm married to. And then they write this. All right, listen. They said, Our marriages will never be what God wants them to be unless we make him, make God, our one and we make our spouse our two. Unfortunately, a a lot of us get those mixed up. Some people try to make their spouse the one, the one. I made you my everything. It's all on you now. Make me happy. That kind of thing. And then they said, when you try to make your spouse the one, you're putting undue pressure on them. In fact, we have a word for when you race another human being to that lofty position, we call it idolatry. The truth is no person could ever be capable of meeting your needs. When you idolize someone and they let you down, which is inevitable because every human makes mistakes and every human sins, then you're going to end up demonizing them. So they said the the right way to see a relationship is that God God is your one and and your spouse is your two. Now, You might hear that, and you might be saying to yourself right now, are you telling me, Steve, if we focus on Jesus, if if we make him our first in our lives, that our marriage is going to be that much stronger than it is today? And I'll say, absolutely, absolutely. I'm 100% confident it will. You can totally trust God's wisdom on this. As good as any one of our marriages are, the more you focus on Jesus, giving him first place in the life, the more you take what you have right now to the next level in your marriage. I know it's true. I know it's true. Right? So marriage, what it is, it's a covenant. What it does, it helps two people become their absolute best. What it needs is a deep sense of God's love, and who it honors is Jesus Christ. And then I, I love this last, this last part this last side of marriage, what it points to. It points to God's grace. Paul takes 13 verses to describe the relationship between husbands and wives, and and then he sums it all up in verse 32 with this statement. He, He said, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. What Paul does in these verses is give us a wonderful picture of Christ's love for each one of us. God's son giving his life for us, dying for us to make us holy. And and with it, this picture of each one of us responding to his love by our loving submission to him as Lord of our life. Something that's absolutely incredible and only possible because of the grace of God. This amazing loving relationship with the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ loving you with such great love that he died for you to make you holy and you responding to his love by your loving submission to him as Lord. Now it might be that you've never thought of your marriage pointing to this. So don't miss this everybody because together with your marriage, Honoring Jesus, it raises the purpose of what you have together as a husband and wife to the highest level possible. So man, let me talk to you first. Paul's saying, when you love your wife the same way Christ loved you, you're pointing people to the amazing grace of God every respectful and kind and considerate work you speak, word you speak, every act of serving you do, every time you put your wife's needs and desires before you, your own, every time you care for your wife spiritually, emotionally, and physically, you are showing the love of Jesus Christ in you. And doing this, you're, you're pointing to the, to the transforming power of God's grace In your life. You know why? Because that doesn't come natural, does it? It's like it's something we could never do in our own strength. We can only do it by the grace of God. And wives, Paul's saying you're doing the same thing. When you're lovingly and respectfully submitting to the leadership of your husband, you're pointing others to the grace of God. Every time you follow your husband's leadership, Every time you show your confidence in him him, and your trust in him and your support for him, every time you do this by the words you speak and what you do, you're showing what it means for each one of us to follow Jesus. And doing this, you're pointing to the transforming power of God's grace in your life. And here's why, because it doesn't come naturally, does it? can only do it by the grace of god i got to tell you everybody it really doesn't get better than this live out this relationship that Paul is describing in this verses and and your marriage your life together will be so full of joy and peace and satisfaction and purpose that other people will be drawn to what you have and you will be able you'll be able to say to them it's all because of God's grace it's all because of God's grace but you know I I not only think of what we, can, what we can do as husbands and wives in the lives of people outside of our homes, I think of what we can do for our children. That they can see God's grace lived out in our life and see Jesus Christ honored through us as husbands and wives. So marriage, what it is? Oh, it's a covenant. Is two people saying, I'm committed to you forever. For all of my life, I want to love you and be faithful to you. Marriage helps two people become their absolute best. That's what it does. And what it needs, it needs a deep sense of God's love for each, each person in that marriage. And what it, who it honors. It honors Jesus Christ. It honors the eternal Son of God. And, and what it points to? it points to the grace of God. I gotta tell you everybody, 42 years into a marriage and 39 years as a pastor, having the privilege of seeing so many strong and healthy marriages, my confidence just keeps growing. It just keeps growing that the best choice any person can make for their life is to trust the wisdom of God. And the best choice any two people can make together as a husband and wife is to trust God's wisdom on marriage. Let's stand together and uh, let's pray. And uh, you know, um, if I could just add a couple things here. One is um, a good resource for you. A book I'd recommend, probably my favorite book on marriage, is a book written by Tim Keller uh, called "The Meaning of Marriage." Uh, he says a whole lot more in that book than I've said in these two weeks. Oh, and, and then Craig and Amy uh, Rochelle's book, From This Day Forward. A uh, great book uh, that you might get to in, in read. And then I do encourage come to our Married Life Live event with uh, Mylan and, and Kay uh, Yurkovich uh, on Friday, uh, March 6th. You know, we invest in a lot of things. If there's anything we should invest in, it's our relationship as husbands and wives. So it's well worth an evening to spend with two people who are experts in something that's so important. Let's pray pray and then we'll worship. Father, uh, I ask that you just take these words that I've shared in these last two weeks. I just feel so deeply. And God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to remember Help us um, to trust your wisdom. God, when we're just when it's so easy and and we're so tempted to trust our own instinct or the wisdom of the world around us. Help us, God, to to trust you. And God, when it's there's times when we're tempted to get into the, the minute details of life and get all caught up in those. And even do that, Father, in our marriage. Help us, God, to just be able to see the big picture, to just see what matters, what really matters the most. And let that guide us as husbands and wives. In Christ's name, amen.